Again, I'm glad that you're here every single week. I want to encourage you to be consistent in your coming, but also be consistent in inviting folks to join you. Every single week, somebody you know, a friend, a family member, uh, would, would love to be here. And so always be diligent in thinking about who you can invite to join us on our, our men's power lunch. It is the week past Easter. Uh, this past weekend, we celebrated Easter. We planned for it all last week, and then we had our big celebration. It's, it's the week past Easter. Hopefully, you had a great Easter celebration. And as we come to this week, as we move past that week, and we start to think about the reality of, of, of Easter, the reality of what we have in Easter, as we stand here on this Thursday, uh, our payment for sin has been paid on the cross of Calvary. God's wrath, his anger, his righteous anger towards sin was poured out on Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. The price today of our salvation is paid. The cost of our redemption is paid. And today we come as believers in Jesus Christ believing the truth that Jesus is alive. Jesus is risen. He stands today as the risen, reigning, resurrected King, our Lord Jesus Christ. Today, as we come on this Thursday, his words from the cross continue to ring out. It is finished. The work of salvation is fully and finally finished in the work of Jesus Christ. Now, the reality of that is this. Today, because of that, today, because of the reality of what happens the week of Easter, people are able to be saved today in the finished work of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. Today, that is available to us in God's love, in God's mercy. Today, that is offered to us in God's grace. Now, I want to tell you what the outflow of all of that means, what the end result of that truly shows up in our life. What that means is this. The Bible says, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you understand the magnitude of that? Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Any person who will call upon the name of the Lord. Wherever they're at, whatever situation in life they find themselves, whatever their sin is, whatever thing they've done, however far they've traveled from God, whoever it is that will call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. And really, that's the good news of Easter. That's the, the good news that we cling to as Christians. Whoever it is that will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let me ask you a question today. What could mess that up? What could hinder that? What could even stop that? We have the good news that whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. What is it that could mess that up? What messes that up is a changing of the truth. What messes that up is a distortion of the gospel. Now hear me today. I'm dead serious today. Listen. It is the biblical Jesus that is the true gospel. And if it's not the biblical Jesus, listen, it's not the true gospel. And if it's not the true gospel, be sure there is no salvation in that gospel. Now what I'm saying today is this. Be very sure this morning. We have to get the gospel right. In order to do that, we have to get Jesus right, and both of those are vital to our lives as followers of Jesus Christ. Now, you may say, well, why in the heck is he talking about this? Why is he saying all this? We live in an age today where the gospel is being changed. 
And maybe you're hearing different versions of the gospel, and there's a, there's a social gospel, and there's a prosperity gospel. And the, I hear people talking about the gospel of Paul and the, the gospel of Peter and Jesus, and, and there's all these different distortions today of the gospel. The gospel today is being changed, and even more than that, the truth of Jesus is being distorted. I see all these different views of Jesus, and the view, the picture of Jesus is being distorted today. That is Satan's plan. The Bible says in John chapter 8, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Friends, I want you to understand, as we've passed through the week of Easter, as we move forward, there is an attack on the truth going on today in 2018. Now, there's always been an attack on the truth. It starts all the way back with Satan in the Garden of Eden. But I want to tell you today, as we're living in the last days in 2018, there is an absolute attack on the truth today. I saw a recent poll, it's actually done in 2017, and Lifeway Christian Resources did, the, did the, the poll, and the poll says this, listen to this, 55% of those who are self-proclaiming, that means somebody didn't label them as this, they said it of themselves, 55% of those who are self-proclaiming to be evangelical followers of Jesus Christ, to be evangelical Christians, do not hold core biblical doctrines. Now, some of these doctrines are doctrines such as Jesus is the only way to be saved or the Bible is the highest authority in our belief. What we believe is grounded in the Bible or Jesus' death on the cross is the only sacrifice that can remove our penalty of sin. 55% of people saying they're followers of Jesus Christ do not hold our core doctrines as Christians. There is an attack on the truth. 55%, I want to tell you, it wasn't that high just 10 years ago. That is a growing thing. There is an attack on the truth today, the truth of the gospel, the truth of Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you what the sad part is, and even more than that, what the dangerous part is. We are asleep at the wheel. We're asleep today at the wheel. In our men's power lunch, I pray for men to be saved. Oh, I, I do. I pray for men to be saved. I pray for somebody to invite somebody and somebody to come and hear the good news of forgiveness and God's grace and what we have in our Savior Jesus. I pray for people to be saved. My intent is that many people will be saved in the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In our men's power lunch, I pray for people to be saved. I pray for men to be changed. I, I said it when we started this whole deal. There, there's, there's a movement today where men have gone silent. and We've allowed women to start to take up the roles that God ordained men to have. And men aren't leading in their homes. And they're not leading in their churches. And they're not standing upon the truth of God's word. My prayer is that men would be changed in the influence of this men's lunch. That men would be encouraged that this is what the Bible says it means to live as a follower of Jesus Christ. But I want to tell you most of all, my prayer from the very first time we met with four tables back in that room back there. My prayer is that in the hearing of God's word in this generation, there will be men of courage and men of intensity who would stand up in the midst of a sorry culture that's going a different direction and they would stand upon the truth of God's word. 
That's my prayers that there be men that would say, you know what, this is what God says I'm to do in my marriage and I'm gonna live it out. This is what God says I'm to do in my business. These are the practices I'm supposed to have. These are the things I'm supposed to say with my mouth and led by God's word, we would stand upon the truth of his word. We are perishing today. And I, I don't know that I've ever seen a month where I see more garbage news coming down the pipe. We are perishing today for a lack of the truth. Our homes are suffering today for a lack of the truth. Our churches today are suffering for the lack of the truth. All that said, I'm very excited to tell you this. Today we start a new study. I'm not sure how long it's going to last. I, I can't tell you how long it's going to last. But we're going to start a new study today in the book of 1 John. We're going to move verse by verse through the book of 1 John. And that's what we're going to do. And I'm going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to show you as we move through it how pertinent it is, how relevant it is for the days that we're living in today. Today I'm going to give you some context. And really I'm just going to spend a little, a little bit of time setting up the, the situation that the Apostle John was writing to. And then I want you to see as we move through it just in the introduction today how it matches our situation today. I want to tell you, I'm excited about this study. I'm excited about what we're going to see. And I believe it exactly matches the situation we find ourselves in today. The letter that we're looking at, the letter of 1 John, was written by the Apostle John. And, and just that is a, is a huge thing to understand. This was one of the three closest friends of Jesus Christ. This was a man who walked with Jesus for three years, who heard his teachings, who watched him eat, who saw how he lived, saw all of the miracles, who saw him hanging on a cross, who saw him alive and risen, resurrected from the grave. This is one of his three closest friends. And so this is the Apostle John, and, he, and he's writing this letter now as an older man. It was long ago that he spent his days walking with Jesus. It was now long ago that he saw his, his friend Jesus hanging on the cross of Calvary. It, it was now many years past since he'd last seen his friend, the risen Savior. Think about that for just a second. That was his close friend. That was his Savior, the Messiah. Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. These are his words. It was now many years since he'd last seen his friend ascend to heaven. But even all these years later, it is still fresh on his mind the mission given to him by his Lord. It is still fresh on his mind the, the, the mission, the importance of the mission that Jesus himself gave to him, and that is this, to tell the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's, that's why he existed, to tell of our Savior who was crucified in our place as the perfect Lamb of God for our sin, to tell that three days later he's risen from the grave, and just as those things are sure, to say that he is coming again. Very simply, this apostle, he is a steward of the truth. He existed to tell people, this is the truth of the gospel. This is the truth of our Savior, Jesus. John is the author. Most likely, he is writing from Ephesus. He is writing to the churches in that area. Now, the letter goes to a whole bunch of churches. Most likely, it's including the seven churches that, that are discussed at the start of the book of Revelation. And so he is writing there to his church, to the churches there in this area. 
Now see the, the, the situation that he's writing into. He is writing to an age that was religious. He's, he's writing now. It's been some time since the resurrection. The churches has spread and churches have sprung up and, and churches have formed. He's writing to a time now that is deeply religious. They weren't opposed to religion. They loved religion. They loved all the different religions. It was a highly religious time. Now get this. It was a time that he's writing to of inclusivism. Inclusivism. Now what that means is they want to include all religious thought. That seems to be a logical thing. That seems to be an intelligent thing. They want to include all religious thought. Now, not only do they want to accept other religious ideas, they are now bringing those ideas into their system. They're not just saying, you know what, I'm proud that this religion exists and it can be as true as ours. They're taking the ideas from that religious system and they're pulling it now into the Christian system. Friends, that is our age. That is our age. Our word today is not inclusivism. Our word today is tolerance. And in the name of tolerance today, we're not just accepting other religious ideas. In the name of tolerance today, we're now taking other religious ideas and we're bringing them into Christian practice. This is the world that we exist in. In the name of tolerance, oh, I can't say they're wrong. I can't say that's a lesser truth. I can't say that that's gonna lead you down a path that's gonna take you to hell. In the name of tolerance, I not only have to accept it, we begin to bring that into our Christian practice. Now, the threat for their church was false religions on the outside. And they could leave their Christian assembly and there's another false religion, there's another false religion, there's another false religion. But it's more than that and more dangerous than that. It's also false teachers on the inside. Now what that means is somebody that's been trained or, or has an offshoot of one of these false religions has somehow now crept into the church and there's false teaching springing up on the inside. We'll see that again. Our threat today is exactly the same. There's a whole bunch of false religions on the outside, but even more destructive, even more dangerous, there's now a bunch of false teachers who have crept in on the inside. And the Apostle John, knowing the truth, sees the danger, he sees the threat, and led by God, he writes this letter. That's pretty interesting their biggest distortion, and there's a whole bunch of distortions going on, but their biggest distortion was concerning Jesus. At this time in history, the early roots of Gnosticism are beginning to grow. Now, what that means, that, that word Gnosticism, that is that the idea that Jesus is God. They could believe that. They love spiritual things. They love religious things. And so they would say Jesus is God, but they would say Jesus never could have been a man. No, he wasn't a man. Man, our flesh is sinful. And so they, they were saying Jesus is God, but Jesus was never a man. And, and what they're doing very simply is they're changing the truth of Jesus. Again, this is our day. 
That is our day today. There are many dangerous teachings out there. There are all sorts of, of dangerous teachings, but this one is, is perhaps the greatest. Because listen to me, if you change the truth of Jesus, you change the truth of the gospel of Jesus. And so when the gospel of Jesus is changed, people aren't saved. See how dangerous that is? You what can mess up Easter? What can mess up the truth of Easter is if the, the truth of Jesus is changed and so the truth of the gospel is changed. And let me tell you this. How do you know when God is working? Just this thing's been all messed up. How do you know when, when God's working somewhere? Well, there's this and there's that and there's, there's people doing all sorts of things. No, you know when God is working when people are being saved. That's how you know when, people, when God is working. When people are finding Jesus Christ, people are getting saved. That's how you know when God is working. Well, see, when you mess up the biblical Jesus, you mess up the truth of the gospel. When you mess up the truth of the gospel, people no longer get saved. And I don't care if everybody in town is there and lightning bolts are shooting out of the building and people are getting all new cars. If nobody's getting saved, it's not a movement of God. And so be sure, if it's not the biblically correct Jesus, it is not our Jesus. And nobody wants to say this very loudly today, but here's the truth. It's not any faith in any version of Jesus that saves. Do you understand that? See, that's what the world's putting out today. Believe in Jesus, profess Jesus. It's not any faith in any Jesus that saves. It is faith in the true Jesus that saves. You see, the Mormons, they talk a lot about Jesus. He's just not our Jesus. The Jehovah's Witnesses, they talk about Jesus. They'll tell you all about Jesus. It's not the biblical Jesus. The Muslims, they'll even tell you about Jesus. He's a great prophet of God. They don't have any problem talking about Jesus. He's just not our Jesus. Now, even in Christian circles, people are talking about Jesus, but it's been distorted and it's not our Jesus. Listen, if the gospel is to go out, if the gospel is to keep its power, if people are ever to find hope and put their faith and be saved and be led to salvation, we have to, as the church, say enough. We're going to stand on the truth. We're going to stand on the word of God. We're going to stand on Jesus. Is that going to be divisive? Yes. Is that going to be ridiculed? You mark it down. Is that going to be hated? They killed Jesus for it. But just like John, listen to me, folks. We have to say, our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. As Christians, we have to say this is our doctrine. This is our truth. This is our Jesus. We have to be ready to stand. And then here's my encouragement today. Then let's stand. Though the world would come against us, though the, the gates of hell would open up and crash against us, whatever it costs, our reputation is slandered, hated by a world that can't stand this truth, let us stand on Jesus. And with that, next week we're going to start 
the letter of 1 John. You know who it starts with? Read the first four verses. The living word, Jesus. Glad that you're here today. I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer and we'll be dismissed. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come. We're thankful for you. And I know the truth matters because it's the truth that shows me I am a sinner. That is the truth. The world wants to hide it and say, well, it's not your fault. It's the environment. The truth is I am a sinner. I sinned. I rebelled against you. The truth is I earned a punishment, death, eternal death, separation from a holy God who doesn't lower himself. He doesn't bend his standard. He holds it pristine and holy. That is the truth. But the truth is this. You love me. And I don't know why, but you love us. And that's the truth. And you're holy and you're just and your judgment stands, but you're also gracious and you're loving and you're merciful and you're kind. And in the person of Jesus, you came and you take my punishment. That is the truth. You died in my place on, on a cross that should have been my punishment. I earned it. He didn't. That is the truth. They take you from the cross and they put you in a grave and the penalty's paid, but three days later it, the, the receipt is given and Jesus walks out and though it seems impossible, though the world can't accept it, a dead man, Jesus, is now alive and he stands as the risen Savior and that is the truth. And that is the truth that sets us free, me free. That is the truth that I have hope in, no other truth. That is the truth that's a foundation that won't be shaken in a cruddy world. That's the truth. Lord, as we prepare to go to this study, I pray that you would open our ears, you would open our eyes, you would open our hearts. I pray that there would be 100 men in Vernon, Texas that would be so grounded in the truth that the counterfeit would stand out. They would be so grounded in the truth that it would, that it would make them turn and re reject the falsehood. The truth would go out. Folks would be saved. Lord, we love you, and I'm thankful that you give us the truth. In fact, you tell us Jesus is the truth. Thankful for my Savior. Take this time, bless it, use it, and multiply it. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.